Good morning. Welcome to church. We're so glad you guys are here. You can stand with us. We're going to sing. I'm going to say a word of prayer really quickly. Father, thank you so much for this wonderful day. We're so thankful for your people that were gathered here together in one heart and one mind, focused just to worship you, to lift you high, and to hear your word this morning. God, I just ask that you would be in our midst, that you would uh, just open our eyes to see you in a new way, God, that we wouldn't walk from this place thinking that we just had a service, we sang some songs, and we heard some stuff, but we would actually feel like you spoke to us, like you met with us here, and that we actually had an experience with our brothers and sisters and with your Holy Spirit. So God, we just thank you, and we're just so grateful this morning. Please come and just inhabit our worship like you promised you would in your word. And we just come, God, we just want to let everything else on the back burner for this time that is set aside to just worship you, God, this morning. Amen. Amen. Let's do it.
going to read a psalm to you guys, an entire psalm. It's okay, it's only eight verses. So Psalm chapter 3 says, Lord, how many are my foes? How many rise up against me? Many are saying of me, God will not deliver him. But you, Lord, are a shield around me, my glory, the one who lifts my head high. I call out to the Lord, and he answers me from his holy mountain. I lie down and sleep. I wake again because the Lord sustains me. I will not fear, though tens of thousands assail me on every side. Arise, Lord, deliver me, my God. Strike all my enemies on the jaw. Break the teeth of the wicked. From the Lord comes deliverance. May your blessing be on your people. Amen.
Amen. Please remain standing as we go right into the reading of today's scripture from Matthew chapter 15, verses 7 through 9. You hypocrites, Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you. These people, they honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are merely human rules. Friends, this is the challenging but good word of the Lord this morning. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, with a scripture like that, we recognize, Lord, that we need to take a moment and, and pause and open up our hearts to you. Lord, on the heels of this worship, this time of, of worship through song that was a truly a blessing, God, where we embrace your presence, we embrace that you are here with us and we open up our hearts to you, at least that's what we just sang. So God, I pray that, that all those words would be true in our hearts this morning. That as we open up your word and as we open ourselves up to your word, that you would have your way in this place with us this morning. God, meaning that you would open up our hearts and and may we be in a position where we can humbly receive the word of the Lord as difficult and challenging as it may be. God, this is a moment where we can practice what we, what we say. We can practice what we sing, Lord. Here we are. You can have every part of us, even the, the, the things that are difficult to give up, the things that are difficult to move beyond. God, we are, are saying that you can have it all, and so may it be true within us this morning that you can have every last part of us. Lord, I, I know I'm not alone when I say this, but I am truly hungry for you. I am hungry for, for you to make yourself known to us. God, I pray that that would be the cry of all of our hearts this morning. God, as we move throughout your word, Would you help us to be open to receiving whatever it may be that you want to speak to us this morning? God, we love you, and we pray all of this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Felt that that was absolutely necessary to just pray that prayer over this uh, passage that is uh, quite a a shift from from the mood of the room because we just kind of ended that worship with, oh, you hypocrites, and that may feel a little personal this morning. Uh, And I just want to give you permission to to just kind of feel what you feel, but, but please, as I just prayed, I pray that you would remain fully and completely open to the word of the Lord. This is one of those 
sermons that I kind of hoped it would go in a different direction today, but it just didn't for me. And so this is one of those that's just, it's challenging. And, and it, of course, it would fall on a day where we have a ton of guests here on behalf of the Franklins. So <laughs> just bear with us, okay? This is a hard, challenging word, but maybe it's one for all of us. I trust that it is. And, and so just know that I'm wrestling through this just as much as you are. And this is not to be uh, preached from a place of condemnation, but instead it's a challenge. It truly is a challenge. And if we mean everything we just said, all those words we just sang, I, I think it's a challenge that we should be open to. We should open ourselves up to what the Lord might want to say to us, even if it's difficult. Can we do that together this morning? Amen? All right. Well, for those of you who are just joining us today, we are in week three of a series called Praying Our Way to Pentecost, and it is what it sounds. We are intentionally and and carefully praying uh, specifically over these weeks leading up to Pentecost, and we're praying for God's direction. We are praying for guidance. We're praying for revelation, and we are praying for a renewal of the Holy Spirit because we recognize that as the church, these days are challenging. And we find ourselves in challenging times as we always have, but we serve a God who never stops working, who never stops moving, who is always calling his people to himself, and he's always showing us how we can participate in the kingdom of God that's already here. Amen? We're not waiting for it to to come at all. We're waiting for the fullness of the kingdom of God, but the kingdom of God is here. It's here and now, and we are called to participate. And so what we are praying is, Lord, show us how. Show us how to participate. Show us what it looks like to be the church today. We feel like we're in uncharted territory. Some of us feel like we are in exile. So Lord, show us. God was present in exile He did not remove himself from exile. Exile was hard for God's people. I'm not talking about exile today. I got to stop, but but it was hard, but God was present. And even if you feel like you're in uncharted territory today, God is with us. And so that's our prayers that God would show us. Show us, God, what you want us to do. Show us where you want us to go. We're praying that for the global church, for the church in the United States, but we're also praying locally. God, show us who you are calling us to be as a local congregation in our local community. So as we are praying uh, to God specifically for these things, as we are looking for these things, we are also doing the hard work of recognizing things, certain things that the people of God ought to pause and recognize from time to time. And that is, I'll just spoiler alert, that is that sometimes we pray for God to move and yet we put ourselves in a position where we are not willing to go where God is going, right? See, it just got hard. I can tell. It was shift. It just got hard because we pray for God to do all these things. God, move. God, pour your spirit out in a new and fresh way. Oh, but not like that. Oh, but no, I don't want to. No, God, you didn't understand. I didn't want to do something that crazy or uncomfortable. And God, that goes against everything we ever did growing up. And and God, that's not the church. God, this looks nothing like the church I had. God, you don't understand. See what I'm saying? We, we pray for God to move, and then we put ourselves in positions where we're not willing to go where God is going and causing us to miss what God is doing, causing us to miss how he's already working and moving in this moment right here, right now in this context. And that brings us to this passage today. 
There's this awkward, tense exchange between Jesus and the Pharisees. And if you have your Bibles or or a tablet or a phone, you can open up to Matthew 15 and just follow along because we're going to be kind of jumping around here. But in Matthew 15, just before verse 7, which we just read, uh, verses 7 and 8, just before that, the Pharisees had some beef with Jesus where they, they, they were questioning him, Jesus... Why don't your disciples wash their hands? It's just disgusting. And in 2022, we can appreciate hand washing. Amen. I've personally, personally, I've always appreciated hand washing. I've always been fond of clean hands, but we're especially passionate about it now. We appreciate that hands should be clean. But this became such a stumbling block for the Pharisees. And, and it all is, it's, it's not about what they were wondering about. It's where their hearts were as they were wondering about these things. And so, Jesus, why don't your disciples wash their hands? This is straight up judgment and condemnation is what you need to understand. And, and, and so we see Jesus' response This awkward, tense response, you just feel the tension. Jesus says, and why do you break the command of God for the sake of your tradition? Notice the language, your tradition. This was not God's tradition. This was your tradition. Is it bad? No. Is it wrong? No. But this is your tradition. So so let's turn the question around. Why do you break the command of God to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength? Love your neighbor as yourself. And you're allowing this tradition to get in the way of that. Why? Jesus is, is not messing around. He's not playing games. He's going straight to the heart. And he essentially says, you're hypocrites. You are hypocrites and your hearts are far from God. Just a little over a month ago on Palm Sunday, we talked about this, and and there's reminders that we need to share again, that I need to share again, that the Pharisees, keep in mind, we are not throwing them under the bus. We are not criticizing them. I am in no place to judge the Pharisees this morning because the Pharisees believed that they were in the right. They believed that their hearts were pure. They believed that their motives were pure. They believed that they were defending God truly. They truly did not see any error in their ways, and so we can only fault them so much because they thought, we are doing the right thing here. We are not trying to be the bad guy. We're not trying to be evil. We're doing the right thing. And we need to recognize that even though they had good and pure intentions, they missed the Messiah, who they were looking for, by the way, who was standing in their midst. He was there in the flesh and they were waiting for him. They were looking for him and they completely missed him because their hearts were far from God. And and it's worth reminding us again, we can miss him too. We can still miss him. We can miss what he's doing. Our hearts might be in the right place. We're good Christian people. We are in church on Sunday at 1030 for goodness sake. We're good people. We love God, but we, good people who love God, can miss him in their midst. They had good intentions, but they became so focused on these rules and traditions that they missed what God was doing. And I think Jesus was in a way saying, I don't really, I don't care. I'm not interested in your traditions. I want your heart. I want your whole heart. 
but their hearts were hard and they missed what God is doing. And church, I just want to ask, don't jump to the answer. Even in your mind, don't jump to the answer. Is the same true for us? Could the same be true for us? Could we possibly, just just imagine for a moment, could we possibly be in a place where we have allowed the traditions and rituals and ways of doing things, is it possible that we have allowed that to rule in our hearts, causing us to miss the new and fresh ways that God wants to move? And it might look different than it used to in terms of the local church context. Are you with me? It's okay if you're upset with me. That's fine. We can get through that, and it's fine. Feel all those feelings. Is it possible, though? Let's honestly answer. Is it possible that we can get so caught up in the standards and traditions and these empty practices that we miss what God is doing, resulting in our hearts being far from God? And as much as I would like to say, no, no, I really don't think so. I really think that we're in the right place, that we are in the right here, that we are just looking for God, and we love God, and we want to find God, but then I remembered the Pharisees thought the same thing. We are not criticizing and condemning them because they believed that they were doing the right thing. And so I think that that we shouldn't be so quick and proud to believe that it's not possible that we here today could be missing God because we're so fixated on traditions and certain rules and rituals, right? See, prayer, it's what we're focusing on over these weeks leading up to Pentecost. Prayer either connects, for some of us, it's just connecting us with God and to God and to his heart. And for some of us, it's the cry is to reconnect. We recognize that there may be some some distance there. There may be some, some blurring there, but we are seeking to reconnect and realign our hearts with God's heart. That's what we are after these weeks leading up to Pentecost. We are open to seeing God move while recognizing that our hearts might have drifted from God. And that's a problem. That's a problem because see, on our own, and this happens without even realizing it. This happens in my own life without even realizing it. I'll acknowledge that and confess in my own life this happens because on our own, apart from Jesus, our hearts are carnal, they are self-centered, They are self-seeking, they are self-promoting, and it's all too easy for us to wander and to lose focus. And so this morning, I'm going to ask you to do something that's really challenging. I'm going to ask you to identify what's your focus. What is your heart focused on this morning? And the the, the straight-to-the-point way I'm going to ask that question is, what's your hand-washing ritual? What is our, as the local church... What is our hand-washing ritual? What's the one thing that we get so fixated on and so focused on and we're so angry and bitter because this one thing no longer has its place in the church and it, and it might possibly cause us to become so angry and so bitter that we might be missing God? What's that thing for us? I suspect that you have a long list of things, some of you. Maybe there's, a, maybe there's a long list of things. And I tried to think about some of the things that the local church gets fixated on over the years. And some of it's just from my own experience in the church, being in different churches, 
right? It's, it's seeing these things for myself, and in some cases, it's hearing about these things. Like, like I'm, I'm in my 30s, and so, and I didn't grow up listening to hymns all the time, but I know that it's a big thing for a lot of people in the church that, that they miss the more frequent singing of hymns. And so for some people, that's the, the thing that they are stuck on, and that's not a bad thing. Let me just preface this. This is going to feel very, maybe like I'm attacking, and I'm not, because none of this is bad or wrong, just like hand-washing. Good. Yes. Please wash your hands. We're going to do that, right? Singing hymns. We sang one today and it was beautiful. But for some people, it's this this thing where that's what you grew up with. That was your tradition and you just can't get past that that's not what we sing the majority of anymore, any longer. And that's hard for a lot of people. And so there's always been this tension. Every church I've been in, every pastor I've ever spoken with says the same thing. There's this tension. There's one generation that wants more hymns. And there's this generation that wants more contemporary music, right? There's this struggle, there's this tension, and guess what? It goes pretty deep and causes a lot more issues than I think any of us recognize. And it gets to the point where your heart, you you get bitter, you become angry, and, and maybe that just keeps you blocked off from anything the Lord wants to do, right? For some of us, these little things over here, they caused a problem when they made their way onto the platform, right? We won't make the drummer in this particular context feel bad, although he's used to it. But I remember, a t- not from you guys, I just mean in general, there's that stigma, right? I remember not too long ago when, when there was this constant bickering over drums. Like, I mean, when I say not too long ago, I mean my home church where I grew up. And, and there was just always somebody who was frustrated and openly expressed frustration about the drums and how loud they were. And, and so that becomes a thing. Do you see? I'm not trying to attack anyone, but that becomes a thing. It becomes a barrier. You get so focused and fixated on that that, that you can't even enjoy worship. Right? Because there's the drums, and we're not singing the kind of music I want to sing, and we're not singing it the way. And for some people, it's a style of preaching. For some people, the thing that they get fixated on is the style of preaching. It's too long. It's too short. It's, it's not enough about this, and it's too much about this, and, and there's too many stories, or there's not enough stories, and, and there's always that thing, Right? We, we get this idea in mind of what the, what the perfect preaching style should be, and if it doesn't match up to that, if every sermon doesn't match up to that, we're just going to leave unsatisfied two and a half stars, right? For some people, that thing is, is dressing a certain way as you enter into this building on Sunday mornings. For some people, that is their thing. They think that everyone should dress a certain way and should look a certain way because that's what we grew up with, right? There was a time where that was the majority of the opinion, and so people did. And now that's shifted a little bit, and, and the church even is welcoming of that for the most part. And there are some who just have a hard time with that, and so that's their thing. And they, they might come into the building feeling frustrated and angry because People just don't take this seriously because look what they're wearing. How could you possibly take this seriously, right? That's a thing for a lot of people. Do you remember this one? How about this one? We can all just laugh about this, right? Not having the order of worship in the bulletins. Yeah, yeah, you, you people don't like to be surprised. You want to know what's coming and when it's coming. 
not you people, but just in general. I remember, like, I'll never forget when somebody, when I was at my last church, there was a lady that came, and she hadn't been to this church in a very long time, and we had removed the order of worship from the bulletin months and months ago, and I'll just never forget. I walked up to her, and I was like, good morning. It's so nice to see you. My name's Nicole. What's your, where's the order of worship? That's the first thing that came out of her mouth, and I didn't know how to respond, and, and I just, we took it out. I don't, I don't know. It's not there. It's nice to meet you, though. It was just, you know, like, I could tell that was the one thing that she was fixated on. Where's the order of worship? I got to know what's coming. I don't want to be surprised, I guess. I don't know. That one's a little, I don't relate to that one too much, so you might have to help me with that one. And then kind of the more modern day issue, some of these things we've been wrestling with for years and years and years, and maybe we'll keep wrestling for years and years and years, I don't know. But kind of the, the newer one is this Sunday school issue, because a lot of churches are, are kind of finding other more intentional, focused ways of discipling and fostering discipleship. And so that for them means taking out Sunday school, because we are, we're asking the question, why do we do what we do? Is it just because we've always done it, or is it actually serving a purpose? Is this actually the best way to use our volunteers and people who pour hours and hours and hours into doing this, right? And so some churches come to the conclusion that this is not serving the purpose it once was, and it's time to change it. And you talk about flaming mad and angry. People don't like it, even those who never came. <laughs> it's so funny how all of a sudden those who never came to Sunday school, and obviously I'm not talking about anyone here because we still have Sunday school, but those who never came, they did not like, I liked having the option, right? <laughs> I liked knowing that if I got up on time that I could come to Sunday school if I wanted to. I'm just making light so I don't feel so awkward as I get through this. It's just what you have to do sometimes. <laughs> But do you get what I'm saying? I hope that you don't feel attacked this morning because it's not, that is not the goal. But the thing is, is what I'm trying to say is that we get fixated on things, rituals, man-made traditions. These are not things that God hand-delivered and said, this is how it should be and this is how you should do it and this is how you will find me, right? Can we acknowledge that? That some of these things, all of these things are good but when they become your idol and your focus and the thing that you're going to let bend you all out of shape, when it becomes that thing, it becomes a stumbling block. And it becomes a hard heart and God doesn't know what he does, but he, he moves away, right? Because that's what happens in this passage. I was wrestling with this and I was like, Lord, I don't want to leave us here. I don't want to leave us here with the Pharisees who are hard hearted and who miss you. And, and then Jesus goes away from them. That's what he does. If you notice this pattern in the Gospels, anytime Jesus has a, a conflict or a confrontation with the Pharisees, he, he goes away. <laughs> You'll read in Scripture that he leaves that place. And I just picture him just feeling so frustrated because Jesus got frustrated, right? And I picture him getting so frustrated and just, okay, I'm going I'm to leave now and, and go find people who actually want to see what I'm doing, right? And so that's what he does. And so I thought, Lord, I don't want to leave that. And so I continue to read on looking for some hope and looking for some, some good news for the people of God. And I read the story of the Canaanite woman and I read it with fresh eyes. I read it in a way that I hadn't read it before. I don't know that I've ever connected the two stories, but I saw a significant connection today. And it's going to be quick, I promise. 
But, but Jesus does this in Matthew 15, picking up with verse 21. Look, leaving that place. He's done. He's out of here. He's going somewhere else where, where he'll be appreciated. He leaves that place and he withdraws. And a Canaanite woman comes from that vicinity. She came to him and she's crying out, Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. My daughter is demon possessed and suffering terribly. Jesus did not answer a word. So his disciples came to him and urged him, send her away. She keeps crying out after us. He answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. The woman came and knelt before him. Lord, help me, she said. He replied, it is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. Yes, it is, Lord, she said. Even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Then Jesus said to her, Woman, you have great faith. Your request is granted. And her daughter was healed at that moment. All right. If you're like me, that one's tricky. And at first you read it and you might wrestle with it because because I don't know about you, but at first that's like, that doesn't sound like Jesus, right? That doesn't sound like, like this seems very out of character for Jesus, right? We can just acknowledge that. I really wrestled with this thinking, knowing this is not who we typically see. This is not what we typically see in Jesus. So what's, the, what's going on here? And I think it's very important that we consider, as I say often, we consider the entirety of scripture when we're reading basically any passage. Just go ahead and apply that rule always. When you're reading any passage, you have to think of that passage, not isolated, but in the light of all of scripture, right? And can we just take a moment to acknowledge, for those of you who just need this connection, I kind of needed that connection this week. I needed this reminder that God has always been in covenant with Israel. Remember, go back to Old Testament, the beginning of the Old Testament, God entered into a sacred covenant with Israel. Through Abram, God saw this man, Abram, and he was righteous, and he stood in contrast to others around him, right? The world is full of sin. Sin has entered in and taken over, and so there's all these nations that rebel against God. They don't know who the one true God is, and here's this man, Abram, who is, is righteous in God's eyes, and God says, I'm going to build a nation upon this man. from Coming from this man, Abram, I'm going to build a nation. And he enters into a covenant with Abram. And then later, when the nation of Israel grows, God enters into a covenant with Israel. And you have to respect and appreciate God's faithfulness to Israel because Israel was stubborn. Israel wandered away. They were supposed to be a light to the nations. They were supposed to stand in stark contrast and to be different from other nations, but eventually they ended up being just like the other nations. But God was stubborn, and God had relentless grace because he reminded them, you are still my people, and I am still your God, and I'm going to chase you down, and I'm going to offer you grace upon grace upon grace. I don't know about you, but I'm awfully thankful for God's stubborn faithfulness. Amen? That's okay if it was for Israel. I'm okay with that because God was faithful to them even when they were unfaithful. And guess what? That doesn't just disappear because Jesus is here. And so Jesus, who is God 
in the flesh, he is honoring the covenant that he made with Israel. And is this covenant going to extend to all nations? Yes. Is it going to, is it going to extend to all people groups? Yes. We will all be gathered. We will all be God's people and he will be all of our God. But because God is faithful, he started with Israel. I got to gather the lost sheep of Israel, okay? I'm trying to gather them. They've lost their way and I'm trying to gather them and remain faithful to my covenant with them. And then, then we will move to the nations. Matthew 28, you don't forget, don't lose sight that Jesus has a plan to move to nations. Are you with me? Okay, I'm trusting that you are. And so Jesus, in this moment, it's this moment of tension where this is a Canaanite woman, not Israelite, and and if anything, maybe an enemy of Israel. She's a Canaanite woman. She is very much outside of the people of God, just based on ethnicity, right? Not because for any other reason other than she was an enemy of Israel, And she comes to Jesus and she's relentless and she is desperate. And Jesus is in this tension of, oh, I'm supposed to be reaching the lost sheep of Israel, but they are also making it really difficult and they're really stubborn. And this is a moment, and we see lots of these moments in scripture where Jesus moves beyond the boundaries and meets outsiders in their moment of need. Does he ever turn them away? No. He never turns them away. God, in his goodness and faithfulness, is remaining faithful to Israel, but he is also not going to turn this woman away who is desperate and begging for crumbs. And Jesus is not treating this woman harshly. This is not a derogatory moment where, in my mind, he is not calling her a dog. He is essentially saying, he's, he's speaking almost in parable right? It's like a short, quick parable. You didn't even know it was a parable because he's basically saying, look, I provided this meal for the children of Israel and then they are to receive this meal first. And the dogs, the house pets don't get the meals that the family cooks. The children get the meals, right? The pets get the crumbs. And and she says, right, and I am willing to receive the crumbs. Listen, this woman is desperate. And she is telling Jesus, even the crumbs from your meal will do. I'm good with the crumbs. I know what you're doing. She recognized, this Canaanite woman recognized what so many failed to see. It's like she's saying, I know what you're doing. I know I'm only worthy of the crumbs, but I'm good with the crumbs. Lord, just give me the crumbs and you guys... It appears that Jesus, who I, know, I believe knows what's happening in this moment, and this is all happening for a purpose. I believe that. And he says, I, it would seem that Jesus is blown away by her incredible faith and willingness to receive just, just a glimpse, just a small piece of the kingdom of God. Do you see the contrast? Have you noticed the differences in the two stories. This woman chases Jesus down, completely satisfied to only receive crumbs from him. And what does Jesus do? After having this moment with the Pharisees where where their hearts are hard, 
Jesus goes to where the most hungry are and he happily embraces those who chase him down. So the question for us, the absolutely difficult, uncomfortable question for us, who are we in this story? Who are we? Are we like the Pharisees? Are we like the Pharisees where our, te- our intentions are pure to begin with? We mean well, but if we're really honest, our hearts are far from God. We're so fixated on that one thing, that one man-made tradition. It's got us so frustrated and, and it's taking so much of our attention that we are at risk of missing what God wants to do because we're worried about all the wrong things. It's okay if that's where we are. We just need to call it what it is. Or are we so desperate that we're willing to just say, whatever, get rid of it all. Just give me Jesus. I just want the crumbs. I'm satisfied with the crumbs. Because even the crumbs of what Jesus has to offer is enough to fill and satisfy me, even though we know that he gives us so much more than the crumbs. Right? I don't know about you, you guys, and I do it. I was just venting this week, saying and acknowledging, I do this too. I'm not calling all of you out separately. I'm calling all of us out. And I know that I do this too. I get focused on the wrong things. And I don't want to be so caught up in the hand-washing ritual, whatever it may be, that I miss what Jesus is doing in our midst. I don't want to be so caught up in a man-made tradition that while it might be good, it rules our hearts causing our hearts to be far from God. I'm going to ask the praise team to come and join us again. And we're just going to enter into a time of reflection. I hope for all of us at the time of just raw and absolute honesty, as we just humbly acknowledge where we are in this story. And I don't know about you, assuming that you're not mad at me and assuming that I haven't completely ticked you off, I hope that that we can come together and unite ourselves in the fact that I would much rather chase after Jesus. I don't want to chase after the thing, whatever the thing is. I want to chase after Jesus reaching for just the crumbs, even if that's all I think I'm going to get, but knowing that he's going to give me so much more. Friends, what I want us to really reflect on this morning and understand is that Jesus goes to where the most hungry are, and he happily embraces those who chase him down. That's where he'll be, and that's where I want to be. And so I'm going to invite you to pray with me this morning.
God, this morning we just humbly acknowledge and recognize how we can become so fixated on the unimportant things. God, we do this in all areas of life, certainly. But God, for a moment, we, we pause and we recognize where we are as a church. And we pause and we recognize that if we as a church are praying and seeking your guidance and direction and your vision and your renewal, we can't get there and we can't get to these things if our hearts are hardened because of man-made traditions because we're no longer doing what we once did and we long for the way things used to be and and we're so busy looking backward, longing for the days, uh, the years gone by, longing for the way things used to be that we're completely missing what you're doing here and now. Lord, have mercy. Lord, forgive us. Forgive us for the ways that we neglect and the ways that we miss what you are doing because we're just fixated on the wrong things. Lord, we this morning repent over the fact that for many, our hearts are far from you. Maybe this has nothing to do with church. Maybe for some in this room, maybe it's because of the church, but maybe it has nothing to do with the church. We just simply recognize that in this room, There are those who would say, yes, my heart is far from you. God, we seek you this morning with all of our hearts. And for some, maybe that's not saying much. But God, we know that those who seek you even a little bit, that you meet them there time and time again with more than they could have ever asked for or imagined. That God, even when we open ourselves up just a little bit, that you come rushing in and you give us all of you holding nothing back. And so God, as we hopefully show up to seek you with all of our hearts, we give you permission to disrupt all of our traditions and meaningless rituals and help us, Lord, to seek you first in all that we do. Help us, God, to see you at work in our midst. Help us, Lord, to not miss all that you are doing and forgive us for wandering and worshiping our man-made traditions. This morning, we return to our first love, praising the name, the only name that is worthy, the name of the Lord, our God, King Jesus, and all God's people said, amen. Amen. You can stand if you'd like while we sing together. Lord, give us humility.
You may be seated. Well, this morning we get the privilege of... Hey, Nikki, you want to help me see if we can just scooch this over? This morning, we get the privilege of celebrating two baptisms uh, all together this morning, and I'll just give them a moment to make sure we're ready, okay? So this irony is not lost on me this morning, that last night, um, who we got first? We got Bella first. Last night, we were watching The Chosen, and... We were watching season one, episode three. Bella, you just come here and we'll just stand it together for a moment, okay? We were watching um, The Chosen, season one, episode three, and it's called Jesus Loves the Little Children. And if you haven't seen it, go home and watch it today. Start with episode three. Season one, episode three, Jesus Loves the Little Children because the way that they the show depicts Jesus' love for children and The children's love for Jesus will just make you crumble. And it reminded me in light of the sermon, in light of these two beautiful girls getting baptized, it reminded me that they see what we so often miss. That these children are just hungry for Jesus. And as I was watching this episode, their children are talking to Jesus and it's just adorable and precious. But but one of them is, is, is asking Jesus questions about the people that Jesus has come to minister to, and they said something along the lines of, well, do they like you, or something like that, and Jesus answered honestly and says, they probably won't like me, but I hope that they will see me the way that you see me, and I, I probably butchered it, but it was something along those lines, and it just reminded me that, that we need to see the kingdom of God, as Jesus said, through the eyes of children, because they just show up hungry and ready for Jesus, whatever that looks like, right? And so today we celebrate. We celebrate Bella and Emma who have declared that they have given their hearts to Jesus. Emma, you come stand over here with us, sweet girl. We celebrate this morning that these two girls have given their heart to Jesus and they want everyone to know. They want everyone to know that they just want Jesus. And so I had the privilege of talking with them over the week. I showed up with cake pops, so we were off on a great start. We had cake pops together, and we just talked about the love of Jesus. And they both shared with me what Jesus means to them and that Jesus lives inside of them, that Jesus is Lord of their life. But Bella, in particular, wanted me to share with you The reason I want to be baptized is that I can fully be a part of Jesus, and when I get baptized, I will become a new person in Jesus. May that be the same for all of us. Amen. All right, Bella, I'm going to help you in here. You remember what we talked about? Remember your feet? Just try to watch your feet. Okay, you go ahead and sit down. All right. All right, Bella, you just want to share with everyone Jesus is in your heart, right? You've accepted Jesus as Lord of your life, and you're ready to be baptized in him today, right? All right, so Bella, go ahead and plug your nose. 
Bella Franklin, I now baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Good job! You did it! Oh, good job! Emma, you and I also talked, and you just want to share with everyone that you have asked Jesus into your heart, right? And you are ready to be baptized in him, right? Okay, Emma, go ahead and plug your nose. And I now baptize you, Emma Franklin, in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. There you go. You did it. Good job. Good job. Amen. Praise the Lord. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning for your love. And Lord, especially for your love that is demonstrated in these children. Lord, we have so much that we can learn from your children, from our children. God, help us to see you the way that, that you, the way that they see you. God, help us to just remove all of the, the things that we ourselves have put in place and let us just sit and, and embrace the love that you have for us and the ways that you have called us to love you and to love the world. This morning, those of us who have been baptized, we remember our baptism. We remember in this moment, that moment that we were baptized, that we died to our old self, and the moment that we were raised to new life in Christ Jesus. May we remember that today and every day, every morning when we wake up, may we remember that we have died to our old self. The, new, the old is gone and the new has come. And Lord, only you, you give us that strength every single day to live that new life to live in the new, holy, sacred, set-apart way that you've called us to live. You help us do that, and God, we just pray, help us again and again and again. Lord, we love you. We love you, and we thank you for your love for us. And we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, the rest of your day is going to be great because it just doesn't get any better than that, right? <laughs> well, I just have a few quick announcements to share before we dismiss this morning. Uh, today is the last day for ladies to sign up for the um, ladies' night that's going to be at Kathy Dothager's house on Thursday. That's Thursday, May 19th at 6 p.m. We just need you all to sign up so that we know how much food to prepare and to get for that, and the food will be covered and taken care of. So please make sure you're signed up today if you plan on attending. For men, we didn't leave you hanging today. Men's breakfast is Saturday, May uh, I don't know what date that is, Saturday, May 21st at 8 a.m. over here in the fellowship hall. Uh, hopefully you guys will be able to make it to that. And we just want to let you all know that we'll be recognizing our graduates 29th. We'll be recognizing all of our graduates together here. All right, so I'm going to invite you all to stand this morning.
Brothers and sisters in Christ, may you go in the grace and peace of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ who loves you, who has called you. May you go and seek him first in all things this week. You are loved. You are dismissed. Have a beautiful day.